right. Welcome, everyone, to episode four of the Score Fantasy Football Live. I'm your host, Justin Boone. I'm coming to you from underwater this week. Uh, we loaded up, we set everything up ready to go. And unfortunately, my camera, my external camera wouldn't set up properly. So we're using just the, the laptop camera here. So the video is not as good, but audio is still sounding all right. Still got the external mic set up here. So I appreciate you tuning in today. Hopefully you had a solid week one. If not, don't worry. We got lots of time to go here. And it's funny because everybody waits so long for football to start. And then we get one week of games. It's such a small sample size, but inevitably we overreact to it anyway. So we got to be smart. I'm guilty of overreacting too. Don't worry. But we got to try to to weed through what's real, what isn't. And that it isn't always easy. I mean, I think the Browns last night are the perfect example of that. We saw them get crushed in week one going against the Ravens. Then they come out. They just dominate the Bengals last night. I know the score was kind of close, but the Browns controlled that game start to finish. So which team are they? Which team should we expect moving forward? I mean, the truth is it's probably going to be in the middle somewhere since that Ravens defense, one of the best in the league by far. The Bengals, probably one of the worst. I think we could say that with some confidence now. So the Browns are probably going to settle in somewhere in between these two performances. Fortunately for them, their early season schedule, it's pretty favorable in the first half of the season here, including, I mean, that second matchup with the Bengals is coming up in just five weeks. So they're going to get another one just like last night. So you can feel pretty good about Nick Chubb. He's a high-end RB2. He's going to give you some RB1 weeks like we saw yesterday. Kareem Hunt, RB2, RB3. He also has that upside. Beckham, wide receiver too. I mean, in tougher matchups, we might shy away from him like we did in week one, but he can still come through for us. Jarvis Landry is going to be a wide receiver three. He's got some wide receiver two upside. So there's some good pieces in this offense. I would stay away from Baker. I know we had a good game, but I would still stay away from him. I don't think the volume is going to be there for him most weeks. Uh, Austin Hooper, uh, unless you're streaming, you're probably not going to get Hooper into your lineup very often. And then on the Bengals side, you know, for as good as Joe Burrow looks in the early going, we have to remember this is a rookie who didn't have preseason games to get ready for his first NFL start. And he still looks really, really good out there. He's still making some mistakes, but he looks really, really good out there. So he's not a fantasy starter yet, but he's in the streamer conversation already. I'm worried about AJ Green, though. I can say that. I mean, the air yards are there. The opportunity is there. And yet he just doesn't look like the same player so far. So I think they're forcing him the ball. And I don't know if he has the potential that maybe we hope that he could come back and be the guy he was just a couple seasons ago before all these injuries hit. So I'm getting him out of my lineup. And as soon as he has one good game, I'm probably trying to trade him at this point. I don't think you can get that much for him right now, but I would trade him if he has that one big game. Tyler Boyd, a fine wide receiver three. You kind of know what you're getting. You'll get some better weeks, but overall it's going to be a wide receiver three for you. Joe Mixon is struggling behind that Bengals line. It is a very weak offensive line. They came in 32nd in my offensive line rankings before the season. And I got a lot of questions about Mixon this week, how people should approach him. I'm holding for the time being because he is getting so much work. I know, and I don't love yards per carry as a metric. I know the yards per carry has been terrible. It's 2.9 last night. That is awful. It's more of an offensive line metric, though. We know that line is bad. But when you're talking about overall volume, the guy's gotten 40 touches 
through two games. So the volume is there for as much as Gio Bernard is working in. And last night, I think the snaps were like 44 Mixon, 36 Bernard. Bernard almost vultured the touchdown from him, but that got called back. Uh, Mixon didn't find the end zone, obviously, but he's getting the volume in that offense. So you can see what kind of trade offers are out there, but I'm okay holding him for the time being. Let's jump in now to some of these topics that I want to go over this week. And we always start off with the news. There are tons of wide receiver injuries to cover. That's been the real story through two weeks because we talked about wide receiver injuries on most of last week's show as well. First up, uh, Michael Thomas. So he has a high ankle sprain. The initial reports were that he's likely to miss several weeks. And that would be the smart play here for the Saints. I own Thomas in a few places. I want to see him sit out so that then when he comes back, he's going to be 100% because we've seen these high ankle sprains sap the effectiveness of players that try to come back too early and sometimes sap the effectiveness of guys that even do sit out for a few weeks. So I want Thomas operating at 100%. I want him to sit out for a couple of weeks. Unfortunately, Today, we get this report from Adam Schefter that Thomas had a fantastic practice on Thursday, that he's feeling good, and that there's some hope that maybe, just maybe, he could suit up on Monday. I hope that that's gamesmanship by the Saints, that they're trying to get the Raiders to still prepare for Thomas, even though he's not going to be out there, because I am expecting him to sit this one out. And since he's playing on Monday, you have to have another option ready. And I will say, Traquan Smith, he made it into my start, sit, stash, quit column, as a stash, I don't want to spoil it, but he's only rostered in 7% of leagues. So he could be the fallback option for you if Thomas doesn't go and I don't expect, expect him to. Uh, Chris Godwin, this one is so strange. So Godwin ends up in concussion protocol and he seemed fine after the game, comes back a couple of days later, has these concussion symptoms. And that's a sign that he is probably not going to play this week. I mean, guys who get diagnosed and put in concussion protocol on Sunday have a hard time getting cleared for the next week's game. So when he's coming back on Wednesday and now entering the protocol there, it's going to be very difficult to turn that around and get him on the field. Then he returned to practice on Friday. But as much as it's still up in the air, Bruce Arians came out, said that Godwin is still on the doubtful side it seems like he's not going to play in this one. So we'll let him sit out for a week, maybe more. We'll revisit this one next week and see where he's at. Mike Evans, though, his teammate doing much better. He's reportedly over the hump with that hamstring issue. So he's moving back into my top 15 receivers. And whether Godwin was there or not, he would still be moving in to my top 15 receivers because this matchup with the Panthers defense this week, man, that Panthers defense is rough. We knew that going into the season. They're rebuilding. They got a lot of rookies there. Going to be a, a defense that we want to target all season long. So uh, he's right back up into the top 15 there. Evans, Scotty Miller is worth considering as maybe a flex this week. OJ Howard as well, but a big dose of the running game is coming. And we'll talk more about that in the start sit section. AJ Brown. Week to week with a bone bruise. And I don't think we saw this one coming. I know Corey Davis had the better day last weekend, but then AJ Brown pops up and now he's week to week. So we don't expect him to play this Sunday and his teammate there, Davis, he had a hamstring issue of his own, but he got back to practice on Thursday. Looks like he's going to start, maybe have a chance to keep up what he had going in week one, went over a hundred yards in that game. Also moves John o. Smith 
into the conversation as a potential uh, fantasy starter, a low-end tight end one this week. But Davis is up into that wide receiver three range with the potential for more with Brown out of the lineup. Jamison Crowder, listen, it's not that you were going to play Jets this week anyway. I recommend staying away from that offense entirely. But Crowder is not playing on Sunday. He was going to be maybe the only Jet that you would have considered. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. They've already ruled him out. So we're going to bump up Chris Herndon. We're going to bump up Rashad Perriman, I guess. But it's a tough matchup against the 49ers. And with the way that that Jets offense has looked so far, you're not going to want to play him in your lineups unless you're absolutely, absolutely desperate in a deeper league. Henry Ruggs started off hot last week, was a rookie that I was very, very excited about. So I wanted to see that. Then he suffered a knee injury. Came back and played after, but he wasn't nearly as effective after getting hurt. So now he missed Thursday practice. We'll see where he's at on Friday. Uh, that's the first practice of the week Thursday because he's playing on Monday night. So he gets that extra day to try to get ready for the game. Hopefully they were just playing it safe with him, giving him some time off after that knee issue, and he'll be ready to go on Monday night. It's a tough matchup there as well. If he's out though, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, I wouldn't be trusting anybody other than that in the Raiders offense other than Ruggs. So that Saints defense is, is pretty legit. So we're going to shy away from them in a lot of spots this year. Kenny Galladay, uh, more receivers to talk about. There's so many. Uh, he's not practicing. Um, you know, if he comes back limited on Friday. That's what he was last week. So I highly doubt that he's going to play this week. The Lions are being very, very careful here with him. And maybe that's smart. We'll get him right early in the season. Might even be better for fantasy because when he does come back he'll be ready to go kind of like the Thomas thing um and it's weird Marvin Jones as much as he's stepped into that number one role it's almost better for him when the top receiver is out there drawing coverage Jones kind of profiles more as that number two um when he's the guy I mean the numbers kind of dip for him that's what we've seen so far and and his last two games against the Packers he's been very very quiet he was held to just three catches total across those two games. It was one in 2019, one in 2018. So I would be very wary of him. He's a risky wide receiver three this week, a rookie Quintez Cephas. He actually led the lions in snaps last week, got a lot of work, didn't have a lot of production, but got a lot of work. So he's a deeper option. You could look at Danny Amendola, also somebody a little deeper, not really that exciting upside wise, but he's somebody you could look at. Uh, TJ Hawkinson still like him as a back end tight end one this week. The breakout is coming and it's already started for him. Cortland Sutton feels like he's going to be back this week. Based on everything we've heard, seems like he was close last week. So unless we get a negative update here on Friday, I'd be willing to get him in my lineup. Just temper expectations because he's going up against the Steelers. That is a tough matchup. So, you know, he's more of a wide receiver three than a wide receiver two uh, this week. A couple other injuries at some other positions. George Kittle. I know the 49ers are trying to be hopeful here with Kittle. He is tough as hell. This guy wants to be out there. He's fought through injuries before, but he hyperextended his knee. They've already said that he's not going to practice this week. I think it would be smart if he sits this one out, and they don't really need him. They're going up against the Jets like we talked about before, so they can win this game even without Kittle. Get him healthy. They're probably getting Brandon Ayuk likely back in the lineup this week. Raheem Mostert, Jarek McKinnon, they've been contributing in the passing game. And you have Jordan Reed as your backup. There's a reason why you brought Jordan Reed in. He might not be able to stay healthy for long, 
But if he's healthy going into this week, and he is, he should be able to step in and give you some nice numbers at tight end. So it'd have to be a very deep league because there are a lot of good tight ends out there. But Jordan Reed is in play, especially in DFS, a volatile fantasy option. Maybe some tight end one upside with him, though. Not really touching any of the other 49ers wide receivers this week, even with Kittle out. Kendrick Bourne maybe as a tight end dependent guy, but that's it there. Uh, Jack Doyle, mispractice all week. He's likely out Sunday. That puts Mo Cox on the radar as a deep streamer. Probably better options out there than Mo Cox this week, though. Just wanted to mention him as a real deep guy, and that could provide even more targets for T.Y. Hilton, even more targets for Paris Campbell, and they have that great, great matchup with that Viking secondary this week. And then the last injury here, James Conner. So he gets hurt like 15 plays into the first game. That's it for him. Benny Snell comes in, rushes for over 100 yards, looks great in the process. Snell's lost some weight. He's gotten faster. Looks like a much improved back. And then Connor was held out of practice on Wednesday. So we figured, okay, that's it for him. He's not going to play at least this week. And then he came back to a full practice on Thursday. So it looks like he's going to play. I mean, we're kind of left guessing here. I think if he does play, he has a very risky option this week. I have him ranked as more of an RB3 with Snell in that RB4 range. Uh, I can't imagine that they would bring Connor back like this, throw him right back in there and give them a full workload. It just would make no sense for them to do that. So we're probably heading towards a committee. There's been some reports out there that even when Connor comes back, that Snell will be more involved at that point. So Connor, very risky in your lineup. I'm kind of shying away from both of these guys now this week. And let's get a week in and see what it looks like and how much work Snell actually gets and whether Connor can play and whether Connor can hold up and all that sort of stuff. But based on what we saw in week one, I think Snell is going to be the lead back in Pittsburgh. It's only a matter of time, one way or the other, whether it's because of injury or just play. I think Snell is eventually going to be the starter there at some point this season. But this week, I'm st- I'm sitting those guys, definitely sitting those guys until we see what happens. And that leads us into the start-sit section here. We got to talk about a couple of these. You can find my full start, sit, stash, quick column on the score. That goes up Friday mornings every week. I look at multiple players from every position, guys you should try to get in your lineup, guys that you should be staying away from. And I also drop in a couple guys that you should stash. Maybe guys that are going to end up on the waiver wire next week. And then some guys that you can drop at this point. And I'm not going to talk about all the players on today's show here. I just want to highlight a couple of them. And I teased it earlier for the starts, but Ronald Jones, yes, Leonard Fournette's role is going to grow as he continues to learn this offense. He's only been there two weeks now, and he didn't look great last week. That's We have to take this one-game sample size into account here. Fournette just showed up, so we'll give him a little bit of slack, but he did not look great. Five carries for just five yards in that game, and I said it in the column, that's kind of Peyton Barber-esque. Bucks fans know what I'm talking about. He's not really doing that much. Now, in a couple weeks, maybe we'll see something better from him. But when you talk about Ronald Jones' performance, he went up against that very tough Saints defense. And he was able to produce 82 yards from scrimmage on 19 touches in the game. So Jones stays in control of this backfield now at least one more week with him as the lead back. And it is a great matchup. Said it earlier, the Panthers defense just in the middle of that rebuild So they got destroyed by the Raiders, especially the Raiders running backs. They allowed 133 rushing yards. They allowed 84 receiving yards and three touchdowns. 
just to the Raiders running backs. Most of that went to Josh Jacobs, and I expect that most of it this week is going to go to the Bucks' current lead back, which is Ronald Jones. So you can fire him up with confidence. Jared Cook, I mean, with this Michael Thomas injury, I still expect him to be out. Jared Cook at tight end, even with Michael Thomas in the lineup, over his last 10 games with the Saints here, he has been fantastic. He's averaging 67.1 yards per game. If you pace that out over a full 16-game season, it's over 1,000 yards and 11 touchdowns. So he's moved up into my top five fantasy tight ends at this point, and I might even move him higher. With Michael Thomas out, this offense, he could be the number one pass-catching option, sort of him and Alvin Kamara here uh, for the weeks that Thomas is going to be out. For sits, Melvin Gordon. I mean, people are going to be all over Gordon because of this Philip Lindsay injury, but Royce Freeman is there. He's going to pick up a lot of Lindsay snaps, and the matchup this week is awful. They're going against the Steelers, who just held Saquon Barkley to six yards on 15 carries. So you can't feel good about having Gordon in your lineup this week whatsoever. And I'm also sitting Carson Wentz for as high as I was on him going into the season. We didn't expect all these injuries on the offensive line. He was not that bad last week. He just didn't have time to do anything. He barely had an offensive line in front of him. I know right tackle Lane Johnson probably going to be back this week, but they're going up against Aaron Donald, the Rams pass rushers and the Rams last week. They kept Dak in check. I mean, Dak only had 266 yards and a touchdown with all the weapons he has there. I don't know how confident we could feel in Wentz this week. So I would keep him on the bench for one more week. And then they get Cincinnati in week three. So you can unleash him at that point. And that is going to bring us to the fantasy Q&A. Let's talk about some of these questions and see what you got for me this week. At Davis55, there's a lot of numbers there. Hi, Justin. I have both Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines in a 12-team full PPR. I was thinking of flipping Hines for another running back. Would you recommend that? And if so, who would be a good target? My other RBs are Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Kenyon Drake, and Chase Edmonds. Thanks. I do like that move, actually. And especially this week, after Hines just had that monster game, he's not going to have that kind of performance every week. This is one of his biggest games, maybe his biggest game of the year. You have that Marlon Mack injury fresh in everybody's mind. He's been in all the waiver wire columns all week long. Go see what you can get for him. And it's tough to trade for the same position. So I know you said you're looking for other running backs. I think the best move, and I feel like this whenever I'm looking to make a trade, is go look at the rosters in your league. Go see who needs a running back and try to make a deal for maybe a wide receiver. That tends to be easier. If you have a a team that, you know, is weak at running back, maybe they're actually strong at receiver and you can get a deal actually done there. And that's when you're going to get the most for a guy like that on a team that's desperate that needs running back help. And you can also look at my trade value column. It goes up every Wednesday and that'll give you an idea of how I'm valuing players and maybe some guys you could look at in the same range as Heinz. At go debunk yourself. Not a great start for me this year, old pal. AJ certainly did not make up for the loss of Michael Thomas last night. Got to get back on track. He's obviously talking about AJ Green here. Should I start Cam Newton or Drew Brees on Sunday? I know you have Cam higher, but the Vegas matchup for Brees looks better. I'm starting Cam because the upside, it gives you such a, a high floor with him. And Brees, 
I know it was a tough matchup with the Bucks defense. The Bucks defense is much better now, but Breeze didn't look great. He looks more like a quarterback that is getting closer to the end here, and now we're taking away his star receiver. So even though the matchup is good, and yes, he might come through and have a decent game here, I would rather have Cam in my lineup. I think when you're talking about a floor, when you're talking about the upside combo there, I think it's it's much better with Cam. He's the one that I would want to start, despite whatever you're gleaning from the Vegas totals. I'm going with Cam. At Jason KN32, ton of numbers. For the rest of the season, Jerry Judy or Paris Campbell? That is a great question. It's very, very close. I would give the slight edge to Campbell there. Um, I think that Campbell has a better chance to emerge as the top receiver on his team this year. I think he could overtake Hilton as the season goes along. I think it might be a little, as long as Sutton's healthy, I think it might be tougher for Judy to do that, especially if he keeps up those drops. He looked good, but those drops are a problem so far. Um, That's another one though, where you could always check my trade value column every week to see where I'm valuing those guys. At E underscore Matheson, would you trade James Conner for Kareem Hunt? 0.2 points per reception. I know, weird. (laughs) That is kind of strange. It seems crazy to say this. Uh, I don't know how the Steelers can give Conner a full workload moving forward. I said that earlier, and that's why I would go with Hunt here. Shockingly, I would go with Hunt here. I don't think Connor's going to hold up. I don't think that he's going to continue to have that job in the way he's had it in the past. So I'm taking Hunt. Um, RB3 flex numbers on a weekly basis has that upside. And if Chubb gets hurt, Hunt for sure an RB1 where I'm not so sure about James Conner getting back to that level at this point. At Radio Champ, sorry, Radio underscore Champ, where are we at or where are we on Hawkinson, I guess that should say. And is it time to pull the plug on Mixon? Hawkinson is a low end tight end one, and he's still growing here. Just love that dude. I've talked about it before. He's going to be a top five fantasy tight end at some point. Could happen this year. And Mixon, I touched on earlier. I'm holding him just based on that volume, based on the fact that this offense, Burroughs, is going to get better. They're going to continue to grow. But I admit that offensive line is a problem for him. At Born B-O-T-B, Justin, you're the man. You're the best. Thanks for all the great content you put out. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, my question, Antonio Gibson or James Robinson, rest of season, looking to use one as a tradable asset and the other as a flex option in good matchups throughout the season. Well, uh, Gibson's my pick here. Gibson's definitely my pick. As much as I do like Robinson, as much as he can be a flex for you, I think the upside with Gibson is just that much higher. We might have seen one of the better games from Robinson in week one where the Jags actually were in that game the whole way, ended up winning. I don't know how many game scripts they're going to have like that. There's going to be a lot more where they're trailing and trying to keep up. Gibson, he looks like the best back there. He just needs time to grow into that role. Um, The competition for him is not scary. I mean, not to keep ragging on Peyton Barber, but he averaged like two yards a carry or something like that with all the, the touches he got in week one. Uh, JD McKissick's like a fringe NFL player. So uh, I'm more confident that Gibson can grow into that role and and learn. And and some of the nuances of that running back position as a guy that didn't get that many touches in college, he needs a little bit of time here to develop. And maybe we'll see that as the season goes along. So Gibson for sure there. At David GI and a ton of numbers. 
What should I do with the Ravens backfield? I don't even know if I have the answer to this one. Um, Based on what we've seen from week one, I think the coaching staff is already telling us out. They're really there. They have said it after the game. They've come out and straight up said that this is going to be a committee. But I think we also saw that in the game. Now, I don't think that Dobbins is going to get all of the, the goal line work like he did in week one. I don't think that's set. I think that's just the way that it worked out. So that'll probably end up being a little more 50-50 as we go through the season here. But if one of these guys is going to emerge, if one of these guys you know, has more of a chance at getting hurt, it's Ingram with the chance of getting hurt. It's Dobbins as the guy who could really emerge and step up here as the season goes along. So he's the one that I would want to own. But right now, I'm hanging on to them. I mean, they are low-end RB2s. They're kind of on that RB2, you know, high-end RB3 range, kind of on that borderline for me. And it depends on your roster build, but if you can afford to let one of them go, test the water and see. Um, I would want to keep Dobbins and see if you can get anything for Ingram, though. At, I'm definitely going to pronounce this one wrong, Zilla Modtov Logs. I think I screwed that up royally. My apologies. Hey, Justin. My question will focus on tight ends and the Patriots offense. In one league, I picked up Tyler Higby, no backup. And in another, I have TJ Hawkinson and Eric Ebron. I started Ebron last week. What is your preferred strategy for tight ends? And should I drop Edelman and James White in a half PPR? I really like those tight ends. I mean, you're fine with Higby in the other league. I would roll with Hawkinson only. I think you're okay to do that. Um, I would drop Ebron as much as I do like him. You can probably get a, a running back or a wide receiver with some upside that could help you out. And Hawkinson is fine in my mind as a starter there. And that's normally my approach. I mean, with tight ends, I normally like to just carry one on my roster and then go to the waiver wire if I need another one. Um, and for the Patriots guys, it depends who you're picking up off the waiver wire. But right now I would definitely hold Julian Edelman. Um, he's the top receiver there. He'll have some better games and white kind of borderline depends who you're picking up. If you really got somebody in mind that you like, I'm, I'm okay with dropping James White at this point. At Tiberius Gatsby, I have Kittle and picked up Jonu in case. Even if Kittle plays, is Jonu a better start considering AJ Brown out and Kittle could be limited slash not needed against the Jets even if he plays? Or is Kittle a must start whenever on the field regardless? Like I said earlier, I don't think Kittle's going to go this week. And Jonu, definitely an excellent backup option. You're fortunate that you got such a good tight end to throw in there, especially with what's going on with A.J. Brown. At Nell Sertel, what do you do with Le'Veon Bell in Dynasty? I'm in the same boat here. Uh, I traded Carrion away in one of my Dynasty leagues to get Bell uh, after the Lions drafted Swift. I tried to get rid of Carrion as quick as I could there. Um, my team is trying to repeat. In that league, I was hoping that Bell could give me something this season to help me get that championship again. Doesn't look like it. And there's not really much we can do because I don't think you're going to get barely anything for him in a trade right now. So we're holding. We're hoping that maybe one of the young options on the Jets steps up here over the next couple weeks. Maybe that's Michael Piran. They've talked him up a little bit here. Um, and then if that happens, there's a possibility that when Bell is healthy, Maybe they cut him, maybe they trade him, maybe we see him on another team later this season and he could do something there because even if Bell comes back as the starter at this point, that Jets offense, 
it's so bad. I mean, he's he's not going to be trustworthy in your lineup. If he is on the Jets at this point, you are going to be scared to put him in your lineup. So hopefully he can end up on another team. At FSU Kevin, thoughts on Slayton? Think he is the wide receiver one for the Giants? This one's kind of fluid. I mean, we got to remember Golden Tate was out on Monday. So that allowed Shepard and Slayton to get more targets. Um, you also have Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram there. I mean, this one's probably going to be matchup dependent. And that lead receiver is probably going to change week to week, I would imagine. So I wouldn't be sold on Slayton as the guy there just yet. He's a very nice young player, but he is not locked into that number one role. Um, in camp, actually, they talked more about Sterling Shepard still being that guy. And Golden Tate, when he's healthy, he can still do some things. So it's going to be tough. I'm not looking forward to ranking them when all those guys are healthy the rest of the way. At Eric the Body, is Bryce Love worth holding in a 14-team standard league? 14-team league, sure, you can hold on to him for a couple more weeks maybe. There was a report a week or two ago that said that when they uh, got rid of Peterson, that they felt like Bryce Love in a month or so could be back to where they wanted him to be. So with that backfield, like I talked about earlier, the options there aren't great other than Gibson, and we're not even sure that Gibson can emerge as the guy there. So yeah, I would hold on to Bryce Love in a deeper league like that. As long as your your bench you know, is big enough that you can throw him at the end of it and you're not missing out on any important guys on the waiver wire, yeah, I would hang on to him. You can always check out my waiver wire column every week. Um, I mentioned Love as sort of a, a deeper pickup there as well. At Chef B 2012. Hi, Justin. Should I move Barkley, Miles Gaskin for CEH and Paris Campbell in PPR? I know it was a one game and the Steelers, but the Giants O-line is so bad and their upcoming schedule isn't much better. Uh, Bears, 49ers, Rams, Cowboys, Washington, the Eagles, and the Buccaneers. I know CEH struggled in short yardage. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's a great deal for you. I didn't even realize that you're going to add on more to the question there. Give me the, the CEH Paris Campbell side. Gaskin's just a, a throw in. I'm not expecting much from that Dolphins backfield after what we saw in week one. At Conway 226, carry on or the Michael Pirine in Dynasty. Honestly, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I would go with Pirine. He at least has a shot to be the Jets lead back as the season goes along, maybe even beyond this year. Carry on just so buried on that Lions depth chart. It's tough because carry on has talent. It's it's really a weird one. Uh, at Nolan McKenna three, do you trust Mostert as a steady RB2 in that 49ers backfield, or should I try to move him? I do trust him. We don't know if Tevin Coleman didn't play as much last week because the air quality or just because Mostert and McKinnon have passed him on the depth chart and we're playing so well. But even with McKinnon working in, Mostert is still a great option and we know that rushing attack is going to produce. So I am down with Mostert as a steady RB2. At proofread meet, do you think Paris Campbell is one of this year's versions of DJ Shark regarding a breakout? It's promising seeing his usage in the slot. Maybe Phil Rivers' version of Keenan Allen. Definitely. I think those are both great comparisons. Um, injuries quieted Campbell's rookie season. We might have saw him break out even last year if he didn't get hurt. So it's good to see him doing what he's doing now. And he's definitely capable of having that shark breakout this year. At Joe G, can TB become, uh, means the Buccaneers, become a must-start defense if Brady's turnovers are at New England levels rather than Jameis? I don't think it's about becoming. I think they already are. They got much better uh, last year. You know, I think they're already at that point now. Um, so I love that Bucks defense. I think they're already there. 
uh, at have fun day. Last question here. Uh, should I keep Fournette stashed? What's his seasonal upside? Love your input. I would. I mean, there's still a chance he emerges as the guy in that backfield, turns it into a 50-50 split, maybe even a 60-40 split where he gets more work. But Jones looked good last week. We got to give him that. I have said plenty of negative things about Ronald Jones over the first couple years of his career, but he has improved going into this season. He has a better back now. It's impressive to see and, and kudos to him. And I think now he has a legitimate shot to hold on to that job. It's going to be a very close battle here. Like I said, though, that was the final question for today's show. Remember, you can find all my uh, fantasy content, including my rankings over at the score. So check all that stuff out. If you have more questions over the weekend, you can hit me up on Twitter at Justin Boone. I'll be doing my usual Twitter takeover of the score's main account on Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. Eastern. So hopefully you'll join me for that one. But until then, big thanks for all the questions out there. Big thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time, leave on time with me.